From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. What are the potential lingering psychological effects of living through a pandemic? Discussing with this with me today is psychologist Rich O'Neill. He's a professor in Upstate's Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. Thank you for your time, Dr. O'Neill. Thanks for having me, Amber. Do you believe most people will be able to bounce back once the stay-at-home restrictions are lifted? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, you know, if you think about the history of humanity, uh, we have survived many, many, many pandemics over the millennia, and um, we will survive this one. Uh, you know, it's there. Uh, we are very, very resilient, um, both physically and psychologically. But things are going to be different, right? Do we need to like prepare ourselves for things not being the same as they were before? Oh, absolutely. I'm, uh, you know, who knows when they're going to go back to, quote, normal. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm personally, I'm thinking like, oh, uh, it's possible that I may be hunkered down in my house for a couple of years because I'm 67 years old. Uh, and. You know, they're saying, well, we might be at high risk for a number of years. Who knows if there's going to, when there will be so-called herd immunity. And based on that data, it's possible that it'll be necessary for, you know, a lot of people, people who have heart disease, obesity, diabetes, some other underlying condition, um, and just the, <laughs> the underlying condition I have, which is getting older, um, which a lot of us have. Uh, we may have to be restricting our activities for quite some time, but we're going to get more data about that as we go. And uh, I think one of the key things, uh, from my point of view, both again physically and psychologically, is to make sure we take the data into account so that we can do what we need to do to reduce our the danger to us. Um, increase the predictability and the and the, the controllability of the danger uh, so that we'll feel less anxious and be able to act in our own best interest. Well, I wanted to ask you about that in terms of sort of the, there's a lot of like living in fear right now. And yes. I mean, that can't be healthy. Well, this is a key thing, Amber, uh, a key distinction for me. I use the word fear and the word anxiety to mean two different things. Uh, emotions are spontaneous physical reactions to real events in our lives. So fear to me is the spontaneous emotional reaction to a real danger. So to me, it's very reasonable right now to be afraid. So. You know, when we have our groceries delivered right now and we're like wiping them all off after, even after they're delivered with some kind of sanitizer, right? Right. Because right. we're afraid to pick up the virus because it might kill us, right? We get it, we might die. So that's a very reasonable fear. Uh, you know, there's the saying people that have, uh, don't be scared, be prepared. Well, actually, I think it, yeah, be scared. Because being scared right now, fear is 
reasonable and it motivates us to do things to protect ourselves. Now that's different than anxiety. Anxiety actually, to me, again, is related to unreasonable fear, unreasonable thoughts about danger, actually. So uh, the, the job right now for us is to tell the difference between what's really something to be afraid of and to take action on, and when we're scaring ourselves needlessly. I was thinking before the show, I was thinking a good example of that uh, is whenever I think, you know, I, my kids live in Boston and Berkeley, California, so they're a long way from here. And I think, well, if I'm gonna travel there and gonna see them, I might not see them for a long time because there may be some real danger. Now, if I think to myself, I'm never going to see them again, that scares me, makes me sad and scares me, et cetera. But that's unreasonable because I don't know that for a fact. That's what we in psychology I call a negative prediction. You're predicting something bad's going to happen without any real data. But if I think, you know, well, right now, for now, it's dangerous to go to see them to be on a plane, to be seeing strangers, to even see them because they're in different cities and who knows, maybe they have you know, been exposed to the virus and they're still carrying it, et cetera, even if they're not sick. That's reasonable. But to think I'm never gonna see them again, I could make myself feel awful unnecessarily. So the job is notice our thoughts and get the data and test out the thought to see is that is that really reasonable or am I scaring myself unnecessarily? That's a really I good think. point. A really good point. Now, you mentioned, you know, this may go on for not months, but years. Do, yes. do we need to sort of make peace with a more isolated life? Uh, uh, I, I would say yes. Um, certainly for right now. I don't know about make peace, um, but I I would say adapt to it so that we can make the best of it uh, that we can. Um, you know, people are, we are social. We are right down to ourselves. We live longer if we have more connections to other people. We are healthier. We are happier. So, yeah, so one of the big challenges of this situation is how are we going to stay connected emotionally to other people for the, again, the physical and the emotional benefits of that social connection. And so if we can do that, develop these um, connections, these ways of being with other people uh, for as long as is needed, that's a great thing. Uh, you know, and people have been, I've been amazed at how creative people are at connecting with each other in fun ways that I never would have anticipated. You know, I'm myself, like with my, my two sons and their wives, we've been playing games on, the, on Zoom, you know, <laughs> the, the video conferencing system. And they set, you know, they have these, internet capabilities to play different games together so we get together and uh we play games and we see each other and we socialize and one of my sons told me the other day oh yeah they had a 
a bachelor party that they were supposed to have last weekend. So how did they go about that? Well, they sent the groom-to-be uh, party eats via Instagram. They had him delivered to his house. Um, you know, all of his favorite foods, and they all got some of them themselves. And so they had this party where they were they were together on Zoom, and they were eating all the same stuff like they would to, if they were together. But they had done it creatively by using this new tool of, in this case, Instagram and Zoom. Very creative. You're listening, to, you're listening yeah. to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Rich O'Neill, a professor from the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Upstate, about the lingering psychological effects of living through a pandemic. Now, I wanted to ask you, this seems like sort of an event that can define a generation. What things do you think we're going to remember and be telling our grandchildren about years from now, about this time? Well, you know, uh, I, I certainly hope it defines us in a positive way, not in a negative way. Um, we, could, we could let ourselves be defined by this in a negative way. I'm hoping that we learn about the necessity for really good quality relationships. I'm hoping we learn more about the importance of exercise for ourselves, about the importance it's about going for a walk. I see more people out walking than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> As you know, I'm a big exerciser. I see people I've never seen before. Uh, you know, so I'm hoping this gives us the opportunity to sort of uh, redesign our lives and our society. I want to talk about that in a minute, but and our society uh, in ways that are healthier and give us greater satisfaction. If we could talk about on the societal level, uh, creating a society that has less stress for a larger number of people. Um, you know, I'm very lucky myself. I've had a well-paying job for the past, I don't know, I think it's 37 years now at Upstate. Um, and I'm probably in no danger of losing my job, but there are many, many, many people who are not in my position and who live paycheck to paycheck, who literally, you know, the average amount of money people have saved is like a couple of hundred dollars. And no doubt for a great, great number of people, that money is gone already. So on a societal level, again, I'm hoping that we take this as a defining opportunity to uh, change what we need to change on a societal level so that it will produce less stress for you you know the people many many more people in the country than than is stressed right now because this is showing us how income insecurity and income inequality is having devastating effects on people you know without resources you're always anxious so I'm, you know, I spend time being afraid of COVID, but then I, you know, I don't, I, every once in a while, I think to myself, man, what if I didn't have any money? What if I was afraid about whether I was going to eat? What if I couldn't afford to have my groceries delivered? I would be scared to death. What if I couldn't feed my kids? I would be scared. I would, I would be furious. <laughs> I would, you know, all of those things, those 
on the personal emotional level, a lot of those things are the result of societal uh, and political decisions that I think we have to make differently going forward and redefine the society for ourselves because those societal norms we call them in my business and the, I think systematic systems in uh, those norms have enormous effects for people and the emotional state of people, the stress level, and as we're seeing across the country, how long people live, for instance, with people of color dying at, a, I think it's about roughly twice the rate of uh, people, you know, Caucasians uh, and people with resources. So let me ask you this, if our life changes and we get back to where we're allowed to come sort of out of our homes, but we're not supposed to gather in large groups, that's going to yes. be a significant change to our way of life. Is it, yes. is that worth mourning? Are, I mean, are people, people are yes. going to be sad about Absolutely. that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel sad about a lot of things. Uh, the other day I, you know, I'm a runner and a biker and I wanted to run out to run around Green Lakes. And I thought, I can't do that now because there's going to be too many people there. And even if they're, you know, there's not really room on the path to be six feet away. So I was sad about that. I, I really miss that. I really had to work to tell myself, don't do it. You know, I really wanted to. So there are going to be a lot of things that we uh, we can't do like I'm again, you know, my my kids have been married for a couple of years. We're hoping to have grandkids. I would be so sad. I, I don't even want to think about this. You know, uh, like I was saying before, it's a negative prediction, but I'd be so sad if I couldn't be with my children when they have their children or if I couldn't hold my grandkids. That would be because I'm afraid of getting sick or making them sick. That would be a tremendous loss. So, um, you know, right now, though, that is a negative prediction. I don't have to deal with that yet. I'm going to put that on hold until this thing, you know, spools forward a bit and we see what actually happens and what actually we have to worry about. But yeah, we, and we have had a lot of losses. You know, we love getting together with other people. We love being with our fellow baseball fans and our fellow uh, symphony lovers and opera lovers and you know sports fans, et cetera. We love those things. We love getting together. And if we can't do those things, those will be very big losses. It's very unlikely that will go on, you know, in perpetuity. You know, they are saying we'll eventually develop herd immunity. We know that from science. We'll eventually develop that. Um, and we will be safer eventually, but it may take quite a bit of time and we'll have to be disciplined um, and take really good care of ourselves and each other in the meantime. Good point. Well, thank you so much to Dr. Rich O'Neill from Upstate's Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.